I was, I was worried last night with the um, all the rain and the, that we've had and, and the temperatures dropping. I know Kate said in, in Hazard there are cars stranded all over the road from ice. So um, I'm just happy to be able to be here. Um, and happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, so if you would turn your Bible to Mark chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 22. Mark 8, starting in verse 22. The Word of God says, uh, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought him a blind man, they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had split, or when he had spit in his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. And he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into town nor tell anyone in the town. This is a, uh, um, a part of uh, Jesus' ministry where, where he's traveling. Uh, we, we know that uh, once he started his ministry, he was traveling towards Jerusalem because he knew it was going to uh, take place there. And as he was making his way, he would stop in towns and cities uh, to uh, preach the word and also to do some healing. Um, so he comes to Bethsaida. And Bethsaida is a, actually a, um, a town uh, north of the Sea of Galilee. And it was a good place for uh, the fishing industry because this happens to be right where the Jordan River flowed into it. So you have all that water converging together. Uh, so it would have been a big fishing industry for them. In fact, this is where um, Jesus picked up Peter and Andrew, who were both fishermen. Um, also happens to be the home uh, town of Philip. But when they enter the town, the Bible says that uh, some men approached Jesus and they brought with him or with them a blind man. And as far as I can tell, we only know three things about this blind man. These are not my points, so don't get excited that we're getting out early. <laughs> uh, the first is that he was blind. That's all we really know is that he was blind. We, we don't know uh, if this was something that happened um, later in life. We don't know if he lost his vision. We don't know if it was an accident. We don't know if it was from birth. I kind of feel like if he was able to recognize people that looked like trees walking around, that he might have had vision at some point in his life, but the Bible does not say. So the second thing we know is that he lives outside of the town of Bethsaida. We know that because in verse 26, it says, he, meaning Jesus, sent him away to his house, saying, neither go into town nor tell anyone in the town. So he said, don't go back into Bethsaida, go around, go the long way, uh, but go home. The third thing is, we know he's got some really good friends. Notice where his friends brought him. They brought him straight to Jesus. They didn't bring him to the temple. They didn't bring him to church. They didn't bring him to a friend's house that was going through the same thing. They intentionally brought him to Jesus. His friends recognized that Jesus could heal him. They had 
faith in what Jesus could do. And that, that's an important thing to recognize. You know, because in this time, um, people, even before this, people would thought that uh, somebody with a disability had it because of sin. That if something bad was going on in your life, that it was due to sin. I mean, all the way back to, to Job. You remember Job and his, his three friends that were, were telling him, no, he, what did you do? You must have done something wrong to, to uh, uh, be given this wrath from God. Well, it's, it still happened all the way up into the time of Jesus. People believed that if something bad was happening in your life, if you had some kind of uh, affliction or infirmity, that, that it was caused because of sin. Uh, you remember in John chapter 9, uh, Jesus was walking with his disciples, and they came up on a blind man, a blind man that had been blind from birth. And even the disciples wanted to know from Jesus, did this man sin or was it his parents? Right, because they, even though they had walked with Jesus, even though they had heard Jesus preaching, they still didn't understand that somebody being blind was not because of any sin. What Jesus told them was that um, he was blind so that the works of God should be revealed in him. Right, he, he was blind so that uh, God could be glorified through him in, in the miracle that he was about to uh, produce. But God uses people with disabilities throughout the Bible, uh, depending on what you want to call a disability. I mean, we have Sarah, who was barren. God used her. Uh, Jacob ended up with a permanent limp after uh, he wrestled with the Lord all night, and the Lord touched his hip socket. Uh, we have Mo Moses, had a stutter. Uh, Ehud was a, was a lefty. Remember when he went in and he killed the king with his left hand because they, they checked the right side for his, uh, his weapon? Well, it's believed that he had a withered right hand. That's why he needed to use his left. Um, even Paul is known to, to have had a thorn. We don't know exactly what his uh, affliction was, but um, God seems to use people that have these kind of disabilities, have these uh, things that some people may feel would hold them back from, from doing the work of God. But it's always a good thing for us to see that and recognize that no matter what situation we're in, we can still do the Lord's work. Um, so even though they must have thought that it was uh, sin in this man's life that caused his blindness, they still knew that Jesus was the answer. So if, if, if you're connecting the dots they believe that Jesus could heal this man's sin, right? So, this is a great lesson for us today, that, that we are to bring people to Jesus, simply bringing them to church. While that's a good thing, that, that might be the place to start, it's not where we finish. We need to bring people to Jesus. He's the only one that can heal our sin. And they begged Jesus to heal their friend by just touching him. They just begged Jesus, just touch our friend. Do you beg or pray for Jesus to help our lost relatives? I, I, I know myself, I'll, oftentimes I'll get in the habit, I'll pray for them, but am I begging? Is it coming from someplace deep inside me that I... I, I, I just yearn that I, that I that I that I ache for the lost to be saved. Am I begging for that to happen to to my family members, to my friends, 
or am I just praying? I, this says they begged Jesus. They so deeply wanted Jesus to uh, move in this man's life that they went to him and they begged him to touch him. So Jesus takes this man by the hand and leads him out of the town of Bethsaida. Why, why did he do this? Why did he do this? Again, we don't know, but there are some good uh, biblical principles inside of this. Uh, the town of Bethsaida was actually one of three cities that Jesus condemned for not repenting. Okay, he, he said that um, if the works that had been done in those cities had been done in Sodom, Sodom would still be standing to this day. Right? He's saying if the people of Sodom had seen the miracles and heard the words that I've preached, they would have repented. But you have not. Mark uh, chapter 8 verse 12 says, uh, Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, Why does this generation seek for a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. So it could be that he felt like they didn't deserve any more signs. They didn't deserve to, to see this miracle that was about to take place. They had their opportunity. They shouldn't need a sign after, after what they had already seen, what they had already heard, uh, to be able to repent. Could mean that Jesus didn't want uh, him to be the place, or he couldn't want, he, maybe he didn't want him to be in the place of unrepentance when he was healed. Uh, when Jesus heals us, he removes those sinful things or desires from our lives. Not all at once. Uh, and I, I think that's a, a trap that a lot of young believers fall into, is they give their heart and lives to Christ, and they don't feel different right away. They, 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 they still have the same um, desires. They still have the same sinful nature, and they don't understand why God hasn't taken that out of their lives. Why am I still addicted to this? Why am I still doing these things? Why didn't God take these away? Well, um, it's something that happens over time. This is what is meant by, by pruning, right? Um, it's something that has to take time. God, God's not going to hit you all at once with uh, taking everything out of your life. He, he's he's going to prune you. And it's going to be uncomfortable. Pruning is uncomfortable, but it helps us grow. Maybe Jesus led him out of the city because he knew that you could take a, a, you can't take the city out of a man, but you could take the man out of the city. He wanted to take him out of the place that was causing him so many problems. You know, sometimes God needs to take us um, out of places, situations, maybe take us out of relationships because staying in them will hinder our walk with Him. Could be that he didn't want. Um, anyone but the Father to receive glory for what he was about to do. Uh, in, in James chapter 5, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith uh, will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he, is if he has committed sin... Uh, they will be forgiven him. Notice what it says. It says to call on the elders, plural, 
not the elder. And, and, and the reason was because they wanted so many people around him praying that when uh, th- that prayer was answered, one person couldn't stand up and say, well, that was me. I prayed for him and, and he was healed. I prayed for him and this happened in his life. And now who's getting the glory? All the people around him are going to be looking at that man saying, look, he prayed. He, he, he did it. So you have several around you praying. And when you had many elders around you praying, they could only glorify one, which would be the Lord. Well, maybe Jesus said, well, I don't want to uh, uh, heal him in front of this circus that, that he had following him around now, and then me get the glory. I want them to know that I'm not some magician, some, uh, some hoaxer. I, I want them to know that it was the Lord. And me healing them in front of these people isn't going to do anything for them. They shouldn't need these signs. So I want the Father to get the glory. Whatever the reason was um, that uh, God, Jesus let him out of the town, um, it doesn't really matter. It, it gives us some good biblical principles to think about and, and to recognize. And I think that's probably why Jesus did it that way. He, we didn't need to know. Um, but it, it highlights the quality of this man. A quality that is um, something that, that many of us need to work on today. And that's that he was, had the ability to allow Jesus to lead him. Uh, some of us are so strong-minded today that we don't want that. We want to lead ourselves and we want to just lean on Jesus when we need him. But this man allowed Jesus to lead him. And we, we, we today want to do things on our own, right? We're, we have, we're proud that that pride stops us from allowing God to, to, to help us. But that's what God wants from us. He wants to lead us. Um, when we allow him to lead, that's when we're blessed. That's when we see the blessings in our life. And this man was showing that he trusted the Lord by allowing Jesus to lead him. Once Jesus gets out of town, he spits in the man's eyes. That's just nasty. He, he just spit in the man's eyes. Why did he need to spit in this poor blind man's eyes? He had healed other blind people before without having to spit in their eyes. Um, he healed one, man, uh, bl- one man's blindness just by touching him. He healed another man's blindness by telling him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Another, he healed just by saying the words. He didn't need to touch him. He didn't need to go near him. He just needed to say the words. And that man was healed. But this poor man got spit on. He got spit on. And after he got spit on, we see the three stages of sight. These are my three points. The first stage of sight that we see this man had was blindness. He was completely blind. Um, He couldn't see anything at all. And the interesting thing about uh, the blind is that they can adapt to being blind. Right? But blind people, they can adapt in ways that would would blow your mind. They they can, a blind person can move around their house without bumping into anything. I, I have 
decent eyesight, and I bumped into the, the chest in front of our bed twice this morning. Blind people, they have a way of figuring out how many steps it is in this direction before I, can go, before I hit the bathroom, how many steps it is this way before I open the door to my bedroom. They, they can figure things out, um, and they adapt to their blindness. They can cook without burning the house down. I can barely do that. They can even tell how much money they have in their pocket by the way bills are folded or, or by the way a coin feels and the ridges on the side of it. They've learned to adapt to their blindness. And the world has adapted the same way. We've become blind to things uh, that God calls sin. We, we've learned to turn a blind eye to the things that we know are wrong, the lying, stealing, adultery, hate, drunkenness. With all the sin running rampant in the world, Christians have learned to adapt to it instead of confronting it. We, we, we've learned to accept it. We've learned to get around it. It's easier to pretend that we don't even see it or that it's not there. And just because we choose not to see it doesn't mean that God doesn't see it happens all around us as Christians. God sees it, even if we choose not to. God does not want us to be blind to sin. He doesn't want us adapting to it. He doesn't want us accepting it. He doesn't want us to turn a blind eye to it. He wants us to see it and confront it, to call it out. Not in a hateful way. He doesn't want us to alienate people from the church by, by pointing out their sins to them. We were to do it in a loving way. We were to explain what the sin is, why it is sin, and who said it was sin. Not us. That, that drives a wedge between the lost and the Christian when the lost believe that it's the Christians that are judging them. I, I know I've told the story about my, my uh, former pastor in, in Memphis he, he, would, he would tell a story about this biker that he was handing a tract to. He said he handed a tract to him, and, and the biker stood up, and he said he, and he kept standing up. He was really tall, and he said, uh, are you calling me a sinner, boy? And, and my pastor said, no, sir, the, the Bible is. And he said, well, okay. It, it's not us that, 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 that um, calls sin sin. It, it's the Lord decides what sin is. But we can't be blind to it. That's the first thing. Cannot be blind to sin. We cannot adapt to it. Uh, the second thing, the second stage of vision this man goes through is blurry vision. And that's what really interested me the first time I, I read this. Was that Jesus spit in this man's eyes and he wasn't healed. It, it was kind of like a foul ball. Jesus tried and it didn't work. Right? Jesus spit in the man's eyes and then he said, well, how do you see now? Did Jesus lose his power? Did Jesus lose his ability to heal? Did Jesus swing and miss? What, what happened here? So, to the man's credit, he didn't lie to Jesus. He could have said, oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this. Uh, I, I can see. I'm fine. I'm going to go my own way now. He didn't lie to him. He was honest with Jesus. He said, what did he tell him? He said, I see people that look like trees 
and they're walking around. Well, what does that mean? You see people like trees walking around. Truth is, I have no idea. I, I don't know what that means. You could make some, um, some spiritual guesses at it. Uh, you, could, you could say that um, maybe he's looking at the disciples, right? And, and we know that the disciples are supposed to be trees planted by the water. And those roots are supposed to be deep in the ground and to prevent them from being blown over and that they're sucking up all the nutrients. Could be, because I think the disciples were starting to question some things. Maybe it was that he was looking back at Bethsaida. Maybe he was looking back at Bethsaida and seeing these trees walking around knowing that they were going to be chopped down and thrown into the fire. We don't know. It doesn't say. I prefer to think of it in simpler terms, though. I I look at it as um, what we see of people every... uh, It's very rare that we see the real person, right? He he saw people that looked like trees. Well, we look at people, and we don't see who they really are. We see their outward appearance. We see the superficial things about a person. It's very rare that we would actually see somebody for who they are completely. Um, You can look at someone and not realize the level of sin that they're living in. Kate was telling me about a a guy recently. He was a chief of police, and he was an ordained minister um, who was apparently cheating on his wife with seven other women. It was in a small town, and people had no idea. The chief of police, an ordained minister, he's, he's got these things going on in his life. Um, in fact, just yesterday or the day before, uh, um, a Christian apologetic that, I, that I've, I've read things that he's written, I, I, I've seen him uh, preach, I've seen him give um, uh, in debates. Very famous, famous man died last year, um, and now it's just coming out how, how deep in sin he, wa- he was trapped. You know, we, we look on the outside and we say, wow, this, he, everything looks great. But the truth is, we're just seeing trees walking around that look like men. We don't know the inside of somebody. We don't know the sin. We don't know the hurt that people are going through. We can look at people all the time and think, they, well, they must be living a perfect life. I know when I, when I was first saved, uh, I shared with the men of Agape, I said, you know, I can't believe. You know, I, I said, when I, when I sat down, I looked at you all and, and I saw the lives you were living. I saw, uh, you know, how you interacted with your families and every, everybody, it just seemed so perfect. And then one by one, different men in the church would come to me and say, I don't know why you think we're perfect. We must be putting on a pretty good front on Sundays because, you know, we, we go through the same things you go through. Um, so people are able to hide uh, what they go through, right? Um, maybe they've just been going to church so long that they know the right things to say. Um, they sound good when they're praying uh, because they've heard it so many times. Maybe they can quote scripture. Maybe they know the third verse to Amazing Grace. The problem is that we have blurred vision and we can't see them. We can't see all of them. We just see the parts that they show us. So that's blurry vision. That's imperfect vision. But Jesus just doesn't leave this man to see people as trees for the rest of his life. 
he does something else. And we see in verse 25, it says, Then he put his, meaning Jesus, he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Jesus made him look up. This is a position of prayer, right? Looking up. Um, there are some things that we should always pray for. Uh, we should always pray for spiritual discernment. We should always pray for, for knowledge, right? God says that he will give it to those abundantly that ask for it. We should pray for the capacity to love God and others more than we already do. And on that list, we should also have allow me to see others the way you see them. That's perfect vision. That's 2020. God, I don't want to see people with my eyes. I, I can't trust my eyes. My eyes are too easily deceived. I want to see people through your eyes. I want to see their, their pain, their struggle, their needs, because I want to know how to be able to pray for them. I can't pray for somebody when I just see the outside shell that they're showing. I want to see people the way you see them. I want to know how to minister to them. I want to know how to love them. And loving, loving people can be a hard one. You know, we all have those people in our lives that we don't really even want to be in the same zip code with. But to love them, that, that, that's even harder. It's harder to do. But especially through imperfect eyes, when we only see what we've seen in the past, when we don't see the things that they've gone through, we don't see uh, the, the pain that they're living in, it's hard to love them. But God is love. So imagine how much easier it is to love someone when you're looking at that person through God's eyes. It shouldn't take someone spitting in your eyes to help you see the need for Jesus in the world and in our lives. It shouldn't take someone spitting in our eyes to see sin in the world. We can't, we can't just be blind to it. We can't just adapt to it. It shouldn't take somebody spitting in our eyes to recognize that people are hurting. It shouldn't take somebody spitting in our eyes to realize people are in need. It shouldn't take somebody spitting in our eyes for, for uh, people to, that aren't what they seem. We should be able to see them and realize, I'm only seeing what they're allowing me to see. Most people are just holding it together for appearances. I don't want... I don't want people to see how messed up my life is, that my marriage is on the rocks, that I lost my job, that I gave back into my addictions. People don't, want, people don't want others to see that about them. So they put on a front, they put on a smile, and they try and hide. Well, how am I supposed to pray for that person if I just see the smile? How am I supposed to see the hurt if I only see the, 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 the happy Christmas card with the family photo on it? The only way you can do that is to pray. Allow, ask God to allow you to see other people through his eyes. Blindness, blurry-eyed, and God's perfect vision. We need to pray that God would allow us to have his perfect vision. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to come into your house to hear a word from you. Lord, I, I just, um, I would pray that 
you would give us a strength to, to not just adapt to the sin that's in our world. You would give us a strength to call it out and, and, and share lovingly with, with others um, what your word has to say about sin. Lord, I, I, I pray that you would give us discernment and realize, to, to, for us to realize that the, the people that we see walking around, that, that um, they look perfect to us. They, they look like they're living lives that, um, uh, that have it all together. We don't know everything about them. Lord, I pray that you would um, give us your eyes to see people with you. Give us insight into people's lives so that we can pray for them. So that we know how to minister to them. So that we know how to love them. So that we can see what they're going through. So that we can be there for them when they're in need. But we love you and we want to do your work here. We pray that you'll be with us as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.